Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Everyone said, Amen. Say, I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. I know last week you were blessed by Minister Reggie. He did a tremendous job. He did a tremendous job. Parents of teenagers, that's the type of ministry your teenager gets every single week, every single Wednesday and Sunday. They do a tremendous job, and we're so grateful for them. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. Picking up with the Overflow series. It was our April and May series, but now it's about to be a June series as well. And so if you haven't been here, I encourage you to go to our website or go to our podcast. We put all of our messages online for free so you can download them and grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Also, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your device, I encourage you to access it and look for Faith Christian Center and download my notes because I have a lot of notes today. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. It says, The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure. We said in the weeks prior, the months prior, treasure here means treasure house or a storehouse. The heaven to give the rain unto your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. One version calls it a well-stocked storehouse and the message version calls it sky vaults. A storehouse is where you keep abundance. It's a storage facility or a warehouse for what you cannot currently store in your house. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. Say, God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with my name on it. Go to Psalm 31, verse 19, a little bit more review. We've been talking about accessing this heavenly storehouse. Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse stands in 19. It says, oh, how great is thy goodness. Now, we can celebrate on the goodness. God says he is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good all the time and all the time God is good and that's true. But those phrases alone don't even show everything that this passage is saying. The word great here is abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. That word great here is abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. The word goodness here is defined as prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So he's saying, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly is your prosperity, your good things, your property, your supply, your provision, your good in the widest sense of the word, and your good to the farthest extreme. 
As we said in the weeks and months prior, this is far just beyond finances. This storehouse is stocked full with every good thing that you can imagine and that has been promised to you in the Scripture. And the thing is, the verse doesn't stop there. Because it goes on and says, Which thou hast laid up for them that fear or reverence you, which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So whatever is in that storehouse with your name on it, it's not for you when you get to heaven. It's for you on this earth. It's great that there's things in heaven, but it's even better what's in heaven supposed to come to earth. What did Jesus say? He prayed that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are there sick people in heaven? So God's will for you on earth is healing and divine health. Do you think people walk around heaven go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I hope, I hope God tells me to do something up here. No. So that's not God's will for you on the earth. Always guessing what to do. He said he will tell you things to come. He will lead you and guide you. And if you lack understanding, ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. So there's nowhere in the ministry of Jesus that we saw Jesus going around guessing. Well, I guess I'm going to do this. Well, I guess I'm going to do that. You have been redeemed from guessing. You've been redeemed from not knowing what to do. Why? The greater one's on the inside of you. And he knows all things. As you received an unction from the Holy One, 1 John 2, and you know all things. He's like, well, my mind doesn't know everything. It's not in your mind. It's in your spirit. And as you spend time praying and doing what the Holy Ghost tells you to do, it'll come up out of your spirit into your mind, and you'll know what to do. So stop saying, I don't know what to do. Add another word. I don't know what to do yet. But I will. Why? The greater one, the one who knows everything, lives on the inside of you, Christian. One of the phrases we've been looking at is a quote from Amy Simple McPherson. She said, all Jesus is looking for is someone who can reach up in heaven by faith, feel around into the treasure chest of God, get out a treasure, and bring it down here and give it to someone that can't get it on their own. We're supposed to be those who distribute what's in heaven on the earth. We're those supposed to bring heaven to the earth. That's what we're called to do as Holy Ghost-filled believers. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. So in the weeks and months prior, we talk about how God wants us to overflow with hope, overflow with encouragement, overflow with grace, overflow with his spirit. We talk about different things, how you can't overflow unless you're full first. So you have to focus on fullness so that you can overflow. And we said Overflow is beyond just finances, and we've proved that in the last two months, but today we're going to talk about some finances, because God wants you to experience overflow in your finances. God doesn't want you to just have barely enough to get by. God does not want you to have just enough. Well, how do you know that, preacher? His name in the Old Testament is El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the all-sufficient one who has all power to do you all good, and he does it all the time. Another translation for that name is the God who is more than enough. If he is the God who is more than enough, why does he want his kids to have just enough or not enough? If he's the God of more than enough, his children should be known as kids of the God who is more than enough or the people who have more than enough. You are not called to be broke. God did not give you a special grace to be broke. God did not give you a special anointing to be broke. He didn't give you a special calling to be broke. He's not called any Christian to be broke. They're his children. If he's the God of more than enough, that means he's the God of the overflow. And he wants you to experience the overflow. 
Proverbs 10, 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Notice, maketh. If it makes something, everything can resist it from being made rich. But the blessing can overcome it anyways. See, you have to understand. You can talk about how everything in the system is against you. You can say, well, I'm an immigrant. I'm not an immigrant. I'm a minority. I'm a woman. I'm of this age. I'm of this age. Does not matter. If you have the blessing of God, it can make you rich even if the system says no. The blessing of God can make you rich even if people hate you. The blessing of God can make you rich even if people don't like the color of your skin. The blessing of God can make you rich even if your agenda they don't like. The blessing of God can make you rich no matter what your background is, no matter what country you came from, because God is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of nations. He's a respecter of faith. And if you have faith in God, the blessing of the Lord can make you rich as well. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So before people try to religiously weasel their way out of the scripture, let's define some terms. What does the word rich mean? Having a great deal of resources, wealthy, abundant, plentiful, opulent, possessing a large portion of land, goods, or money, or a larger portion than is common to other men or to men of like rank. Having an abundant supply. If it is an abundant supply, it is an overflowing supply. The blessing is designed to enrich you and cause you to have an overflowing supply. There is a way to get rich in the world, but it comes with sorrow and painful toil. That's what the word sorrow means in Proverbs 10.22. You can get rich in the world, but it's going to come at a painful price. I remember a song that came out about seven years ago by three prominent artists. And they're singing how they're at the top of the game, the top of the industry. They're singing about all these different things that are going on in their life. And as they sing that song, you're listening to the chorus. It's like, oh, man, they're at the top of the game. Sounds good. Besides a few words and the humanistic undertones, it wasn't that bad of a song. Then I listened to the chorus as she began to sing, but we have so many scars. They got to the top, but at what price? They got to the top, and their scars are still there. What is that? Painful toil. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and adds no sorrow with it. The Babylonian way will bring you scars, sorrow, and painful toil. But the blessing of God can make you rich without the scars. The blessing of God can make you rich without the painful toil. It doesn't mean you won't work. No, it says he'll bless the work of your hands. That means you need to work. But it's not going to be painful toil. So I'm saying, well, I'm going to stay at home and believe in the blessing. Get your tail up and get a job. Because the Bible also says those who don't work don't eat. And I don't know about you, but I like to eat. So that means you need to work. The blessing can come upon you and enrich what you do. But you still need to do something. Hallelujah. People lying on my Jesus. Jesus told me not to work. No, he didn't. You told yourself that. No, Jesus told me, no, the spirit of lazy. You need to cast that out and be effective. So what is the blessing? I looked at different definitions. 
One said it's the benediction of God, which the result is prosperity and good of every kind. The implication of blessing is prosperity. In short, the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. So, oh, pastor, you believe in that prosperity gospel? Of course. I don't bring in the broke gospel. This is Jesus came giving good news. He says, oh, you're called to be broke. You're called to be sick. You're called to be depressed. So come and follow my father so you can be broke too. Well, pastor, Jesus was broke. No, he wasn't. Stop listening to CNN and Fox News. They don't know what they're talking about. At least y'all would have learned that in the previous election. So if you can't trust them with political things, how can you trust them with what the Bible says? Jesus was not broke. He had a house. He had a job. And then when he started in the ministry, there was a group of people that followed him to pay for his bills. Read that in Luke chapter 8. Wealthy people went around to pay for it. He had a treasure. If you're broke, you don't need a treasure. If you have three pennies in your account, you do not need a treasure. The book of John says, John, that Judas was the treasurer. But the thing is, he would steal on a regular basis. Now, if you're the treasurer and there's only three pennies in that account, you know someone will notice if you took one. You know Matthew was walking, watching every collection, every offering. He's a tax collector. So Matthew's watching. There had to be so much in that treasury that Judas took someone aside and no one could notice. Also read the book of John. Jesus was known for giving to the poor. You can't give to the poor if you poor yourself. It's, just, it's what he did on a regular basis. When they said when Judas left the room, they thought Jesus told him to go give to the poor. This is what he did regularly. So Jesus was not broke. He didn't just have just enough. He had more than enough. What is that pastor said he didn't have a place to re- lay his head. Read the scriptures in context, please. That's why you should go to FBI, Faith Bible Institute. Get the context. The context was he went to a city, and because he was going to preach in Jerusalem, they didn't want him to stay in the city. Because they were racist against the Jews, and the Jews were racist against the Samaritans. And the Samaritans says, hey, if you're going to preach it, we don't want you to stay here. So no one would let him to stay there over the night. So he says, I have no place to lay my head. Context is king. If you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. And so many people are conned into being broke because they think that's what God wants them to be. But what happens if Satan cons you into being broke? He makes, takes all the money and makes all the rules. God wants you to be blessed. But sometimes the con of being broke comes under the guise of religion. Some good things will come in, but so will the con. When I go to Africa and I'm preaching, when I'm preaching Zimbabwe, they talk, well, yeah, a lot of people got saved, but they lost their money too. Because they were taught that you're not supposed to have anything, so they lost all the gyms, they lost all the industries. So when I came there, you know what I preached. The blessing of God will make you rich. They were in a drought. We were believing for an outpouring of rain. A few months later, it started raining. For months on end, the drought's over. People who had gardens in their backyard growing now have bumper crops. The weekend I was there last year, there was someone who brought a huge bags of their crops because they had more than enough. The economy shifted. Before, there was a certain product that grew because of the drought. Now, because it's rain, it doesn't work. But now the people who had the seed in the ground were able to plant and to grow. And now the government couldn't control them because they had all the food. 
And then after that, the government changed. The blessing always works. Doesn't matter what country you're in, the blessing will work. Whether you're in America, whether you're in Zimbabwe, whether you're in Bulgaria, whether you're in Argentina, whether you're in Australia, the blessing of God will work. He didn't say the blessing will work if you're in this spot of the globe. No, if you go to where God has called you to go, the blessing of God is designed to work for you. The blessing of God, it maketh rich. So we said the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. That word prosper means to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful, to flourish physically, to grow strong and healthy, to make successful, to grow or increase, to thrive, to make gain, to succeed in business affairs. So the blessing is the empowerment to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful, to flourish physically, to grow strong and healthy, to make successful. It is also the empowerment to grow or increase, to thrive, to make gain, and to succeed in business affairs. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The blessing brings overflow. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them. So when he blessed them, what did he say? Be blessed. So the first words of human existence were the blessing. Which lets you know the blessing is the perfect will of God for all humankind for all time. First words matter. And the first things Adam heard was, be blessed. And then following his guidelines and instructions, with the blessing comes guidelines and instructions. He says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Adam and gave him guidelines and instructions for that blessing. Go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Time goes by. An age of compromise arises. There's only one last man and possible parts of his family that are serving God, Noah. And as time goes on, the world's getting more and more wicked, more and more violent. Judgment has to come. How can a loving God bring judgment? Because he's still just at the same time. And there's time where sin will cry out for justice to come. But also think of it as a story of love and commitment because Noah's the last one walking with God. And if Noah falls or Noah's killed by this wickedness, the whole world is doomed. And he still has to have a plan to redeem everyone. So judgment has to come for the sake of saving the righteous. So judgment comes. The flood covers the entire earth. It stays there, eventually resides. Chapter 9, verse 1. What is the first thing God did as Noah and his kids left the boat? He blessed them. Noah, be blessed. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. The blessing comes with guidelines and instructions. Go to Genesis chapter 12. You have to understand the blessing must be important to God if that's the first thing he did to Adam. He blessed him. The first thing he did to Noah when he left the boat. 
Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, so past tense, get thee out of that country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curses you and you shall all families of the earth be blessed. The promise and covenant given Abraham was a covenant of blessing. With this covenant of blessing, God gave Abraham instructions and guidelines. Now, Abraham delayed himself entering into the blessing because notice God had said, leave your house, leave the people, go to what I'm telling you. He delayed. Chapter 11, you see the delay. Some of people have delayed themselves from entering into the fullness of the blessing because you haven't been obedient yet. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God has not released the blessing. It's you're not standing in the place where the blessing is being poured out. God says, go over there where there's the light shining. And you're going, da, 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 but I like this light better. But Jesus, isn't this a pretty light? Can I stay here instead, Jesus? Anyone who, why isn't the blessing working? I guess it's prosperity gospel doesn't work. No, it's working. You're just not standing where you're supposed to be. So some people delay the blessing because of disobedience. And delayed obedience is still disobedience. You got to get to the place where God wants you to be. So the blessing can work at its highest potential. Sometimes people are fooled because they say, well, I still see some good things happening. Yeah, he's merciful. He's kind. There's still some blessing on your life. But you're not walking in the fullness of the blessing, as Paul called it. There's levels to the manifestation of the blessing. And you want to walk at its highest potential. And you can walk in the highest potential of the blessing when you follow the guidelines of instruction God has given you. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ redeemed you from the curse so that you can have the blessing of Abraham. The same blessing that God gave to Abraham is the same one Jesus got you involved in. So now it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what continent you come from. It doesn't matter if Abraham is your ancient ancestor or not. If you're in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. And you are an heir of the blessing of Abraham just as much as Isaac is. If Isaac is an heir, you're an heir. Paul said in his writings that he didn't say heirs plural. There's one heir. You're just as much an heir as Isaac is. You're in Christ Jesus. So you have the blessing of Abraham. You have access to that blessing. One of the things we study when we read Genesis, the blessing increased Abraham and would get stronger in every generation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to Joseph. It kept increasing. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Just look at more what this blessing, this empowerment to prosper is supposed to do. Like a Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as we studied earlier this year, the book of Deuteronomy is the second given to the law. It's composed of two last great sermons of Moses right before the children of Israel enter into the promised land as they cross the horizon and get into what God has for them. So notice what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6. 
Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear or reverence him. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land where you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. Notice what it says. I'm bringing you into a place where there is no lack whatsoever. God's wills that you don't lack in any area of your life. What does Psalm 23, 1 says? The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. This is God's will for your life. This is where he wants you to end up. Look at verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, like some of you will do after I finish preaching, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God and keep and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, his guidelines, his instructions, which I commanded you this day. Lest when you have eaten our form has built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when your herds and your flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. What is doing the multiplying? The blessing. It says you're going into this good land and God has blessed you and everything you have is going to multiply. You're going to have a lot of kids, but don't be stressed out about it because you have a lot of money too. Kids are expensive, increasingly so. But the thing is, if your silver and gold is multiplying and you have goodly houses, you're not going to concern, oh, I have so many kids, I don't have enough room. Nope, I have more than enough room for all my kids. I got more than enough money to pay for whatever arises. So parents, you got kids, believe in the blessing. Stop going, oh, how am I going to pay for the college? The blessing. Oh, it keeps getting more expensive. The blessing's got it. Oh, they want to do five sports this year. The blessing's got it. Oh, and theater, and dance, and song. The blessing's got it. Stop going, what am I going to do? And says, no, I may not know what to do now, but I will know, and the blessing's got it. Then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, what has brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, where there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought you forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you and that he might prove you to do you good at the latter end. And you say in your heart, my power and might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto your fathers, as it is this day. You have to understand God's not going to drop Benjamins from heaven. What will he give you from heaven? The power to get wealth. The blessing of God. So that means with that blessing, with that power, you need to go to work. Stop staying at home Go. oh, what am I going to do? Go and do something. Well, my job's not meeting my needs. I need them to increase the minimum wage. They may, they may not. Stop depending on the government. Please stop. They're broke. They print more money and they're still broke. Don't rely on them. Rely on the blessing. Hey, if the government helps you out, great. If they don't, great. You got the blessing. You have to realize God is your ultimate source. Deuteronomy chapter 28, let's go there. By the way, this is just part one. I ain't going to finish a lot of stuff, so we'll get to part two next week. So tell your neighbor, you need to come back next week. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Verse 1, and it shall come to pass, 
if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you, if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. The blessing brings blessings. The blessing, the empowerment to prosper brings blessings. Verse 11, and the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods. Plenty means more than adequate supply, so that's overflow. And the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground, and the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give you. The Lord shall open to you his good treasure, the heaven, to give rain unto your land in his season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend unto many nations and not borrow. So the work of the blessing is overflow. The blessing brings overflow. Deuteronomy 28, 11, in one version says, the Lord will make you overflow in prosperity. In the Amplified Classic Edition, it says, and the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity. A surplus is more than what is needed. It's defined as excess, extra, leftover, overflow, and plenty. God wants you to overflow in your finances. Not overflow in student debt. Not overflow in medical bills. Not overflow where you can't pay off your bills. But overflow where you have more than enough. You know, we have a lot of millennials who go to church. This church. That's a lot of millennials have student loans. Some more than others. We got a lot of generation X people in this church, and a lot of them have student loans. We got a lot of baby boomers in this church, and they got student loans. So what are you gonna do if you got student loans? Believe in the blessing of God. He was like, There's no way I can pay this off before I'm 95. The blessing of God. <laughs> Talk to your loans. Call them blessed. Call them paid for. Go to Malachi 3, verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The blessing of God is the empowerment to prosper. The blessing brings overflow. The blessing comes with guidelines and instructions. Don't delay the blessing because you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. Be in the place and do the things that cause the blessing to work at its highest level possible. Don't think God is withholding the blessing for, from you. He's made it available. But you have to connect to it. A lot of people treat the blessing like a hose. So let's say you're watering the garden or whatever. And everything's working because you turn the faucet on. Never turn the faucet off. But you're stepping on the hose. God, why isn't this working? Where's the water? I thought my faith was working. I guess this prosperity stuff doesn't work. It's all working. You just got to step off the holes. And some of us, by some of our lifestyle choices, have stepped on the holes. God never turned off the faucet. It's still running. You're just standing on it. But if you just make a few adjustments, you'd have the overflow. So Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, or provision in my house, and prove me or put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out, empty out a blessing, that's empowerment to prosper, that there should not be room enough to receive it. The tithe is our connection point to the blessing. The tithe is our connection point to the blessing. So every time we tithe, we're connecting to the blessing and receiving more. That's why you hear when I pray over the tithes and offering, we receive more of the blessing. Now, what happens if you tithe one day and you go months without tithing? Now, you receive the blessing the day you tithe. 
and it's working. But if it's like that faucet, it eventually dries up. And you see less and less and less as you go on. And then you come back, oh, I need a tithe. Oh, I got more of the blessing. Less and less that goes on. But what if you were consistent? What if you were faithful? Now it's not less and less. Now it's consistently. Now it's continually. Now it's overflowing. Because you'll receive a blessing that you room enough not to receive. An overflow of the blessing leads to a lifestyle of overflow. Now I said, well, pastor, tithing is under the law. Yes, it is. It's also before the law and after the law, too. Tithing's all throughout Scripture. Now, when we tithe, it says in Hebrews 6.20, Jesus is made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who's Melchizedek? When Abraham defeated the kings, Teodolamer and his armies, he came and brought tithes to Melchizedek, and it says Melchizedek blessed him. If Jesus is a high priest after the ministry of Melchizedek, that means when we give our tithe, part of the overflow of blessing we receive is Jesus releasing the blessing on us. Because Hebrews 7 a says, here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of who it is witnessed that he lives. So now we don't have a machine in the back that we put the tithes and offering in and it sucks it up to heaven. That's not how it works. Tithe takes care of very natural things. We have bills. How many of you got bills? The church got bills. So don't think, well, because your church people don't make you pay for stuff. Oh, that would be wonderful. If that was true, my accountant would take laps around this church every single Sunday. Well, that's not true. It's like, oh, well, my air conditioning bill goes up during the summer. So does ours. Well, I'm grateful we're in a new building so it can go up like it used to. But it still goes up. So there's very natural things you have to do, and that's what the tithe that offer goes toward to do. But there's a spiritual connotation that every time you tithe, that Jesus is standing before you releasing the blessing on you. So you have to expect, as I go throughout my week, I'm going under the blessing of God. Remember, blessing is benediction, which means to speak well of. So that means you can't contradict the blessing of your, on your life by talking bad. Well, I'm broke. I'm this. I'm that. Now talk about the blessing. One of the things I end every experience with doing, I release the blessing over you. One of the things I read in the Old Testament when God told his priest to bless, he says, what you say, I will back. If you say it, I'll back it up. And you see it throughout the scripture. And so I believe that as I speak of you at the end of the experience, whatever I'm saying is coming to pass. Now, there's some things I already have in my heart. That's what I'm going to say because that's what I say every week, what God wants me to say. But there are times God will say something, pull it out in my spirit. I remember a couple months ago, I had never said it before. Now I say it all the time. I said, I release favor in the courtroom and courtroom decisions. Now, I didn't think about it. It just came out of my heart. A week later, one of our guys who go to the church came up to me and says, we had some type of business matter where we had to go to court for. And when you said it, favor in the courtroom, so, oh, he doesn't usually say that. That's for me. I got it. And guess what? It turned in his favor in the courtroom. So whatever we say when we're speaking over you, receives, I got that. That's me. That's for me. I don't know if you want it, but that's for me. I don't know if you want debt cancellation, but that's for me. I don't know if you want favor in the boardroom, but that's for me. The benediction, it's good words, it's the release of the blessing. So that means you need to talk in line with it throughout the week. Don't counteract the blessing by the words of your mouth. Go to Luke, well, I'll read to you. Luke chapter 11, verse 41, 42. You can write it down for the sake of time. So, well, how specific should we be with our tithe? Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 41. He's checking the Pharisees. 
He says, but rather give alms of such things as you have. He says, give as you can. And behold, all things are clean unto you, but woe unto you, Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought you have done, and not to leave the other undone. So the Pharisees were tithing off of the smallest herbs. Little mint leaf. Oh, we got 50 mint leaves that came in, so we need to give five mint leaves to the temple. This is very small, very minute in their tithing. But they didn't walk in judgment or the love of God. Jesus says, you should tithe off of the smallest amount. Smallest minute amount. But don't leave these other things undone. So tithe on the small, tithe on the big, and don't forget the love of God. So he didn't give them a way out. He says, oh, that's okay. That doesn't matter to God. He told the Pharisees, you're supposed to do that. But you're all supposed to walk in love. He's checking the Pharisees because they taught to tithe, but they didn't teach love. And you have to do both. So Jesus says, you ought to tithe. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you going to listen to Jesus? Now think about this. Jesus is the son of God and the son of man. And it says, he, he said, I came, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. So that means Jesus kept the law. That means Jesus tithed. Now, Jesus tithe. You should die too. I tithe too. He said, well, you're the pastor, and I believe for the blessing of my life too. I believe as I give, a lot of times I give via online or texting, and as I give, I'm believing for the blessing to come on my life. When we gave on uh, Friday, me and my wife grabbed hands and said, this is what we're believing. This is what we're calling in. We receive the blessing. Why? It works. One of the things when I call Bishop, give him different updates, talk to him about different things, and I tell him about certain things that are going on in my life, different blessings that happen in my life. I don't think there's any place I've lived being an adult where I've paid the price I should pay. What do you mean? There's one place I lived in Texas. By the time I left, they wanted to charge me hundreds of dollars more to stay there. It's like, oh, no, I'm good. I moved to Atlanta. We're looking at this place we really like, and they show us a place, an apartment that's upgraded. And it's all the new things in it. And they says, they didn't mark that. It's upgraded in our system. I guess it's for you. You have guessed right. We're supposed to charge you hundreds of dollars more, but I guess we can. You've guessed right. Let's go. We move into another place we really like. We're enjoying being there. But the place that my wife really wanted is bigger than the apartment we had, but it was more expensive and didn't make sense to spend hundreds of dollars or more just for this bigger place. And so we stay in a place we're enjoying it. We stay there a number of months, and I go to a conference. We come back, and we're talking about something that's happening on Instagram, and I see that apartment advertising on Instagram. And it says, starting at this price. It says, there's nothing here that starts at this price. So I go online. And guess what started at that price? The apartment my wife wanted. We got our stuff, went over to the office. Hey. And the lady says, because she knew we were like that. Hey, girl, better get your apartment. So we did. So we go to paying one of the least amounts in this very nice place. So we spent less to get a bigger place. What is that? So when I tell Bishop these stories, he's like, oh, now that's a return on your giving. And that happens all the time. Cars we drive. We didn't pay what people think we pay. Vacations we go on. Didn't pay it either. The blessing of God. 
the blessing will work for you. It's not just because I'm a pastor. It's because I believe. And I want the blessing to work at its highest place possible. Go to Proverbs chapter 5. Remember, in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, it says they can walk in the blessing if they listen. Also remember, the blessing comes with guidelines and instructions. God has given you the blessing, but you can stop it from flowing. If it stops flowing in your life, it is not a result of God not loving you. It's a result of you turning it off. Proverbs chapter 5. When you look at it in context, I won't read all the verses for sake of time. It's talking about a loose woman, a strange woman, a whore, hoe. And he's telling this young man, stay away from the hoes. Says, remove your way far from her. Don't get close to her. She smelled good. Don't get close to her. She looked good. Don't you get close to her. Why? Remove your way far from her. Come not to the door of the house. Don't see how close you can get to sin. Why? Verse 9. Lest you shall give your honor unto others and your years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. Chapter 6, verse 20. It says, my son, keep, uh, keep your father's commandment and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. A reproof of instruction on the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman. From the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in your heart. Neither let her, eyelids, let, neither let her take you in with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. In short, <laughs> sexual immorality will cause you to go broke. Yes. Sexual immorality will short-circuit the blessing. You can come to church, lift your hands, shout and dance, praise God, and act like a hoe throughout the week. You will end up broke. And it's not only women who can be hoes. Men can be hoes, too. You out there looking for a snack when you should be looking for a meal for the rest of your life. You out there snacking and going broke. Paying all this extra money in child support. Paying all this money testing to see if you got a disease or not. Paying all this extra money to try to hide yourself because they went crazy after you slept with them. If you act like a hoe, you're going broke. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, hoes go broke. <laughs> Go to Psalm 133. <laughs> Psalm 133. And on that note, don't say, well, God knows my heart. We're married in our hearts. So we can live together before we're married. God knows it's 2018. You know, you got to try out the car before you buy it. 
You can go broke too. Stop saying, I'm married in my heart. Go get married before God. Now, there's a number of people. You may have a situation. Y'all been living together for a long time. You may have kids together, and you ain't married. Like, well, what do we do? Come talk to me. I will sit down with you and walk you through it. Call Ms. Petra, set up a counseling appointment. We'll help you get there. Don't stress out about it. Just make a decision. I'm going to honor God with my life. Go from, oh, I'm married in my heart, to actually get married. And if you ain't living together, don't live together. Oh, we're going to save money. You start saving money in one area and losing it in the next. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. The blessing is in the place of unity. So strife will stop the flow of the blessing. Do not be a spreader of strife with your actions, the words of your mouth, or the words that you tweet. Well, I didn't say it, Pastor, but what did you post? What did you tweet? What did you put on Snapchat? What did you put on Instagram? Are you spreading strife? I don't care if a gospel entertainer puts it on Instagram. doesn't mean you should spread it. Don't be a party to strife. Don't be a party to division. Especially don't talk about stuff you don't know about. I, for one, I'm not going to talk against someplace I plan on going. If I expect to be prosperous, I'm not going to talk against the prosperous. Because what I'm doing, I'm sowing seeds of people going to talk about me. Don't be a party to strife. Don't spread strife. There's nowhere in the Word of God that says you have to post about everything you see, hear, or feel. Sometimes we have to learn to be like Jesus. Sometimes Jesus talked about it. Sometimes he was quiet. If you want to be like Jesus, sometimes you have to learn to be quiet. The Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. Says, Jesus, the law says to stone her. What you going to do? They brought rocks. Jesus looked at them, bent down, started riding in the sand. We don't know. He could have been writing words. He could have been drawing a little pretty flower, a little house, just having a good time, ignoring them, quiet. He could have been tweeting. He could have been posting. Hey, this is what I say to do. Ignored them. And they keep saying, what are you going to do? Well, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Da, 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 da. So the scripture says they left oldest to youngest. They dropped the rocks. Jesus got up and says, woman, where's your accusers? She said they left. Well, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Don't think you have to say something just because it's a trending topic. You'll get in trouble by the words of your mouth and the words that you tweet. Because for every idle word, you can be judged. It's not talking about in heaven. It's talking about on this earth. So you have to understand your enemy is very legalistic. So if you said, well, if I was in this situation, I wouldn't do that. You know what Satan will do? Make sure you get in that situation to make sure you do what you said you weren't going to do. You're judged by the words of your own mouth. You've become the prophet of your life. So sometimes the wisdom of God is to shut up. Don't say nothing. Don't tweet nothing. Turn it off. Delete the app if you got to. There have been times I want to post stuff about stuff. It's like, nope, delete, delete, delete. I'm not going to say it unless the Holy Ghost tells me to say it. Why? That's maturity. It's not running your mouth just because you can. Well, I'm an American. I can say what I want to do. say. Yeah, you can American. You can die like an American too. Or you can live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. That means you have to watch your mouth. 
watch what you post. So strife will stop the flow of the blessing. Let's go to Matthew 14. Ooh, I've got to hurry up. Matthew 14. Verse 15, and the disciples came with Jesus to a desert place, and multitudes followed, and Jesus taught them, and, it, and they're dismissing. And Jesus said, before they go, give them something to eat. And they say, we only have here five loaves and two fishes. And 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And then they gathered up what remained. So notice what was not enough went into the hands of the blessed one. He blessed it and it became more than enough. Now, pay attention to this. They would have not known it was more than enough if they didn't gather. They would have just thought, oh, it looks like everybody ate. It's just enough. Everybody looks good. But they only realized more than enough when they went to gather. You see, the same thing in Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land. Isaac was thinking about leaving. God told him, stay here and I'll bless you. I will keep the covenant I gave to Abraham. So he stayed, and verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward, and grew to became very great. Now, it says received in the same year a hundredfold. The Hebrew also said he found in the same year. The only way he knew he went, got a hundredfold is he went and gathered it. The Hebrew commentary says he went to gather it and counted up so he knew how much he should tithe. The only way he knew he had a hundredfold is because he gathered. And Genesis 41, 46 to 49, you see Joseph is made the prime minister, the second in charge of the empire of Egypt. Seven years of plenty, seven years of overflow, seven years that God blessed them with. And he said, we're going to take 20% of the extra and save it up. And so Joseph and the mathematicians and the accountants of Egypt, you know, Egypt was advanced in these areas. They counted every single grain that came in until they ran out of numbers. Think about that. These are mathematicians. These are advanced. These are Egyptians. They can't count no more. That grain represented money. You want to know how Egypt became so rich as an empire? There was a blessed man in charge. It got to a point where they had more than enough money. They couldn't count it anymore. One version of the Bible says, after seven years of this, the granaries were full to overflowing, and there was so much that no one kept track of the amount. But the only way they found that, because you see in verse 48, they gathered up all the food of the seven years. And the blessing gathering is required. And 2 Chronicles 20, 25, after God gives them a supernatural victory, after the armies come against Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah, they went out and they gathered up the spoils. It took them three days to gather up the spoils. And the blessing, gathering is required. In gathering, you must look for the harvest. In gathering, you must look for the harvest. You are the blessed of the Lord. You are connected to the blessing and receiving more of it all the time. So here are some things I want you to do this week. As you go forward in the blessing this week, look for your harvest. Number one, look for sales. Look for sales. You think, oh, that's not spiritual. Just listen to me for a second. Look for sales. Number two, look for opportunities and investments. 
Look for opportunities and investments. Number three, look for discounts of the things that you already normally buy. Look for discounts of the things you already normally buy. Number four, if you have loans with bad rates, look to refinance with a better rate. If you have loans with bad rates, look to refinance with a better rate. Number five, look for unexpected income and gifts. Number five, look for unexpected income and gifts. As you look for these things and find them, write it down. As you look for these things and find them, write it down. Write down how much you save from the sales, the discounts, the refinancing, and the et cetera, and total it. What is that harvest? Well, think about it. These are things that you already planned to buy, but now you pay less. Most of us are like, oh, that's great, and we forget about it in the days to come. Some of you think, well, where is my hundredfold? You've got it, and you just not paid attention. You got the harvest, and you spent it on something else. Write down the opportunities and the investments you take advantage of. Write down your profit. Write down the unexpected income and the gifts that come in. Thank God for each of them. And as you're writing it down, you're being like Joseph and Isaac. As you do this, you will be recording manifestations of the goodness of God and realize you are heading to a lifestyle of overflow. But you have to gather. You have to write these things down. You have to pay attention. A lot of people say, well, where did my harvest? Where did it go? No, it's been coming all the time. You just don't pay attention to it. That's what happens. You go to Target or wherever, and you start saving money, and then you see, you see all these other things you want to buy, and you leave not saving any money. Now your harvest came, but you spend it just as quick. Write these things down. The blessing, inside the blessing, gathering is required. And you're gathering all the time, but we're not paying attention to it. So write these things down. And I'll pick up from here next week. Stand to your feet. I'm out of time. To be continued. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.